This is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters. And I'm Marcus Harvey. The noted author, Kurt Vonnegut, once said that the most daring thing a person can do with their life is to work to create stable communities in which the terrible disease of loneliness can be cured. Marcus and I want to revisit the topic of community and community building with local community activist and advocate Ms. Shavonda Harper. Stay with us and we'll be back in a moment. Again, this is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters. I'm so happy to be here with you all in the audience once again and very happy to be here with my brother, Dr. Marcus Harvey. It's always to be good to be here with you, Marcus. How are you doing? It's a pleasure. Looking forward to today's conversation. How are you? I'm doing well, and I'm looking forward to this conversation as well. We've been wanting to get this guest in here for mm-hmm. a while to talk about things that are going on in the community, how people are mm-hmm. working to help restore and build a sense of community. I think in some ways, you and I have talked about this a lot, that we we tend to lose that sense of community sometimes. Yeah, and I think um, you know the role of the, el- the figure known as the elder or elders in the community is is particularly important, um, but unfortunately, I think we live in a society where um, where el- elders typically are aren't are not always recognized uh, as anchors of the community, mm-hmm. are not always recognized for the wisdom and guidance that that many of them are capable of providing. And so, I think this this conversation is an, is an opportunity to to remind right. uh, listeners of the importance of, of of established elders. It is, Marcus. You talk about elders, and you talk when we talk about the sense of community. And mm-hmm. I think you know this this lack of this sense of community. <laughs> And connectedness. I think sometimes, you know, some scholars have argued that it is a distinctly American problem mm-hmm. um, because we're, you know, our capitalist culture is so driven towards, you know, materialism and things like that. That you lose that sense of community. Mm-hmm. There have been a number of writers, and I know that our director, again, Mr. Feingold, <laughs> will probably have something to say to me when I mention Alexis de Tocqueville's name once again. <laughs> but he's one of those people who wrote about this in his 1930, his 1830 work, Democracy in America, he talked about that, that Americans tend to be so driven and focused on, you know, attaining as much material wealth as possible that Mm -hmm. this sense of community can tend to be lost. Yeah, and I think in American society, we are very much socialized toward um, individualism. Um, And oftentimes that individualism is is, uh, couched within within the language of, you know, American meritocracy. Mm -hmm. Um, So... The more the idea or the assumption is that, you know, the more successful they are, you are, um, the more you have um, sort of uh, struggled as an individual, um, mm-hmm. not necessarily as an individual within a community, but as an individual um, uh, dedicated to uh, certain um, certain goals. And right. so I think, as you were pointing out, that can um work against um, or <clears throat> deteriorate the fabric of community. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we think about what communities need or what people need to have a strong sense of community. As strong institutions become very important. You know, we think about the institution of the family itself mm-hmm. and strong families, but also, you know, there's the school, mm-hmm. um, the local school, the community school, which becomes very important to um, that building that sense of community. Where are we with regard to that? Then you have, you know, the whole 
question of the church and the role that the church plays as a strong community institution. But Marcus, you and I both have said that it's necessary in order for our communities to be strong. They have to also be self-reflective mm-hmm. at times. We have to be willing to step back and have conversations about these institutions that we say make up our communities. What are these institutions doing? Do we need to kind of rethink the structure of these mm-hmm. institutions, are the programs of these institutions? And unfortunately, you know, especially within the African-American community, uh, the, the church has not always been a space uh, where such uh, self-reflexivity uh, was welcomed mm-hmm. um, or could take place in a meaningful way. Um, so, you know, I, I think I think your point is well taken that, you know, it, it's high time that the role of the, the African-American church uh, be revisited, rethought, reimagined. Um, and that the hard but necessary work of of our community becoming much more self-reflexive um, be embarked upon. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So today, as we said, we're going to talk with someone who's doing a lot on the ground. I mean, I love mm-hmm. to talk about people who are out there doing the hard work. You know, you and I as, as academics, you know, we can kind of be, you know, close to the ivory tower. We can think about things in theory. Mm-hmm. But I always like to talk about people who are actually dealing with these in real time, dealing with issues in community real time, in real time, and the things that they're doing to strengthen those communities. And Shavonda Harper is one of those people. And so we're going to have a conversation with her when we come back. So Marcus and I will step away for just a moment, and we'll be back with Miss Shavonda Harper in just a few minutes. We were right back here again with this conversation. I'm Darren Waters here at BPR on 107.9. Glad you all are staying with us to listen to this conversation about community, a topic that Marcus and I talk about a lot. You know, Marcus, as I was thinking about today's show, there is a quote from Mother Teresa that I thought about, and I said, I've got to use this quote. And, you know, Mother Teresa spent her life um, uh, once, uh, who spent her life really working with people in community and on the ground and um, and, and we know a lot about her life, but she once said that, a quote, and this is a quote, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. Well, when I think about Shavonda and the work that she's doing, she, much like Mother Teresa, uh, she, Shavonda has cast her stone across her community and it has created many ripple effects across that community. And so we're glad to have Shavonda Harper here with us. She is a native of the Southside community here in Asheville, and she'll tell us a little bit about that. But Shabanda, welcome to the studio. Thank you for taking the time to come in here. And Thank talk you. With welcome, Shabanda. Thank you all for having me. This is such a, a, a pleasure to be here with you all, and I've been wanting to do this show for a long time so this is my chance i'm so glad that you uh took the time to come in shavonda and i see each other quite often um trust me when i say that she's very active in her community she is and she is um not shy about grabbing you and saying look we need to have a conversation so (laughs) i appreciate you doing that shavonda well we've already introduced you as a native of Asheville. you know that is as i say to many people being a native myself somewhat of a rare bird in this town 
town. We have so many people who come from the outside who relocate to this very beautiful place. And you can see why when you just look at the terrain of Asheville, why people like to come here. But you are a native of Asheville, grew up in the Southside community. Can you tell us a little bit about you know what it was like growing up here in Asheville? Because I grew up in a completely different community in Shiloh, but you were in the, in the Southside community, which is not too far from where I was. But, you know, tell us a little bit about being Yes. Yeah, so um, I was born in Lee Walker Heights, uh, almost in the kitchen. <laughs> My, um, but, yeah, Lee Walker Heights is where I was born. And um my family moved to the Livingston Heights area in 78, shortly after um, the Livingston Heights development mm-hmm. was um, built. And those apartments were a product of the starting of the uh, urban, urban renewal mm-hmm. uh, of, of that area. Uh, thousands of homes were torn down in that area, and those public housing um, units were built. So we were one of the first families that moved down in the Livingston Heights area. My mom worked at the uh, Livingston Street Daycare, which is located right behind the um, then the W.C. Reed Center. Hmm. And she worked there pretty much all my life, uh, worked in child care. And um, as the uh, Livingston Street Daycare, it kind of faded out. Buncombe County Child Development um, closed up that facility, and she moved out to um, what was community child care in the Elida properties Mm -hmm. and uh, working there for about 10 years and retired. Um, She took the early retirement and retired at 50. So she was one of the lucky ones that had that job pretty much the the 30 years um, and retired. So child care and being around people was how I grew up. Mm. And... um, and being in in the you know the Livingston Street area, uh, the W. C. Reed Center, which was formerly Livingston Street School, and that's where my parents went to school, mm-hmm. and um, it became W. C. Reed after the desegregation of schools. And now uh, the facility is named the Arthur R. Eddington Center, mm-hmm. and that's where I'm currently working, and and just being in the community. Uh, growing up in that area, um, Livingston Heights Apartments being new to the community, um, that was where I, I, I grew up. And it was a handful of things, um, businesses that were still kind of open in that uh, Depot Street area. There was a, a pet milk and a, a post office back then. Mm-hmm. And that was during the time when Mr. Green right. had come back into the community to uh, build his store. So I kind of remember mm-hmm him and his family coming down with these plans. And I'm thinking, what are you guys going to build here, a house? Mm -hmm. He said, no, we're going to put a store right here. And that was something that was needed in that community. And so I got to witness the first bricks and the groundbreaking of the uh, green store Mm -hmm. being built uh, in that community. Yeah, an important family in that that area of the city at the time. It sure was. And Savannah, you've already begun to share a bit about your, your background and your experience growing up here. Um, but given that, you know, Asheville, you know, since its uh, incorporation in the late 1790s has been a predominantly white city, um, African-Americans have been in the minority here. Um, I'm wondering if you would speak a little bit to um, how you see your experience differing um, from those of our white counterparts in the city. Yeah. So um, in the Southside community, um, having the, the, the Reed Center as um a space to go to because we really didn't have anywhere else to go. 
and hang out. So that was like a um, a saving place, a, a place to uh, to go to have something uh, to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that they had a lot of arts and craft programs, and the staff that uh, with Parks and Recreation um, really took the time to uh, have youth programming um, mm-hmm. stuff for us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, had the gym open, and we had jump rope teams and you know various things to do whereas over time those things kind of faded out and it was like you had to be a part of some uh like a west ass for youth league then right, right and this kind of changed over so where money's starting to be involved and you had to kind of pay your way through programming it's, you know <laughs> and we couldn't I afford know, to pay. As I listen to you, because I remember, you know, these you, you have multiple African-American communities here in Asheville, Southside mm-hmm. being one. You know, you had the East End community, which is located closer to downtown. And those who know the city of Asheville know that the East End community was where Stevens Lee right. High School, which was the African-American high school. You have the YMI, which is the Young Men's Institute, you know, which was established in the 1890s with the, with the support of George Vanderbilt. Everybody will recognize George Vanderbilt's name, but I remember too. You have, you know, the East End community. You had the the Hill Street community, mm-hmm. uh, which was historically known as Stumptown. Mm-hmm. You had Burton Street, which is in West Asheville. And I spent time, a lot of time, myself in the Burton Street community, even though I grew up in Shiloh, in the Shiloh community. And Shavonda, you can tell me because we're we're about the same age, and I'm thinking when I was coming up here. There did seem you, – you talked about this activity, especially around the Reed Center, which had been the African-American school. Once integration occurred, they became community centers. The same thing happened in Shiloh community, the same thing in the Burton Street community. But I remember these centers being very active places when I was growing up. Um, I mean, it, you know, those communities seemed to be much stronger than um, – they were years later, and I'm wondering if that was the same experience that you had over in the Livingston area. Yes, um, it actually was. And, you know, being back into that building after the, uh, the remodel uh, of that space, Shanika Smith and I uh, grew up in, in, in that building, and some of the programming that we did, we sit back and look at it now as um, we were being trained for the work that we're doing now. And then we go back into working into that space again, and it's like, here it is. We have these memories of being in that space growing up and some of the things that we did. It was just prepping us up for the work that we're doing, doing now. Yeah. yeah. And, and and with the leadership that we had uh, during those times, we're really strong leaders. And, yeah, it just prepped us up for the, the good works that we're doing you now. Know, you know, Shavonda, it's interesting because that's an interesting perspective. You know, I hadn't thought about that. I, you know, I, shortly after I came back to town, too, after being away from here for 25 years, nearly 25 years, you know, I, I had a conversation with uh, Dwayne Barton, who is an activist in the West Asheville community, and a conversation with Shanika Smith, who's now serving on Asheville City Council. Yes. Um, and these were people who went away. I mean, just like you then we're mm-hmm. going to talk about that in just a few minutes about you going away and they came back with a very different perspective and and it's interesting to see how 
active they have become in the community. And you just raised this point about we were being prepared for the work that we're doing now. I find that it's a very I had not thought about it that way, but it's a very interesting perspective. Yeah, and yeah. and Shavonda, as, as, as Darren just pointed out, uh, you did spend some time away um, from Asheville, and uh, has that impacted in any way? Or do you think that has had any impact on uh, how you sort of perceive and assess what is going on in Asheville now? Yes, mm-hmm. I, I really do. Um, I moved away in 96 and moved to West Palm Beach, Florida. Mm. Sun, sunshine and palm trees. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. See, I did, this is a part of the story I did not know. West Palm Beach. Now, why did you come back to this well, story? You know, it's all politics. <laughs> but during that time, it was um, during the Bush era and recession. And a job that I worked, a company that had been open for 35 years, had to file uh, Chapter 11. Mm-hmm. And I had been working for them for a little over four years. I had two small children and you know times were hard being an african-american uh, single mother um i had to find my way back to my mom <laughs> my mom said come on home and that's what i did and it wasn't long after being back that i really started my uh working in the community it um moving back to Asheville and then seeing some of the changes that had been made um, kind of opened my eyes to uh, this is not how it used to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you want to try to get back to the root of how things were and times had changed. And so I kind of came back with an old school view of things and I kind of wanted to take it back. You know, this no, this is how it used to be. So, you know, still using some of that um Work and thinking about the um, the elders right. before me and how they worked with us. So using some of that, um, but yeah, seeing West Palm Beach, Florida. I wish I could bring a little of that here into right. the mountains, mm-hmm. a little bit of the mountains to Florida. All right, kind of balance it out though. But yeah, and that's what really. Um, got my eyes open to come back into my community. <laughs> it's interesting because what what we what we see is we see ourselves become our parents, right? Yes. <laughs> I I find myself saying things all the time that they would they used to say to me and I'm thinking, okay, who is this person talking? But it's interesting because these you know, I, you know as I recall, you know, the Burton Street community where I spent a lot of time and and my grandparents were very active in that community. You we're talking about Southside because my grandfather, uh Mr. Isaiah Rice had a, a connection with that community because he was born on Ashland Avenue. He went to to uh, the school there, the Livingston Street School, for a while before going on to Stevens Lee. But, you know, Giovanna, there was this very strong sense of community that I remember. My, You talk about the um, the Reed Center, which we'll talk about here in just a few minutes because I want to ask you a little bit more about the Eddington Center now, which was at one time the Reed Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, my aunt, um, Shirley Waters, gave two major plays. She did two major plays at the uh, at the Reed Center. I remember that in a huge auditorium. And I just remember how many people would turn out for those events, that you had um, a very strong sense of community. And it's interesting. You go away, you come back, and you see there seems to kind of be a falling away from that old from what was there that old culture and you want to try 
to reclaim it. Those are the conversations that I've had with people like Dwayne and, and Shanika as well. So it's interesting to hear you talk about that perspective. So let's talk a little bit about the author, R. Um, Eddington and Career Center, um, which was formerly the Reed Center. You know, and um, tell us a little bit about what goes on there now, because this is a very active place. I've come over a few times. Marcus and I both, we hosted an event there oh, uh, a few right. years that's ago, right. and it was great. I mean, having a lot of people there, I come over there and I see kids all over the place, a lot going on. So tell us a little bit about this center. So the Arthur Eddington Center, um, upon the renovation, the name was changed to the Arthur Eddington Center, and I'm sure a lot of people would like to know the reasoning behind that. Yes. And being that Mr. Eddington was the principal at Livingston Street School mm-hmm. before the desegregation, mm-hmm. it, it was fitting that being that the building was being um, renovated for career and education, mm-hmm. that it would be ne- renamed after Mr. Eddington um, African-American principal right. at Livingston Street School. Well, can I ask you one question, um, uh, uh, Shavonda? Um, W. C. Reed. Who who was that? Who because I don't I don't know myself who. I believe Mr. Reed was um, superintendent, some type of educator during the time of Livingston Street School. Okay, okay. And that's something for us to kind of dig uh, into. To, to dig into, right? but I think with politics. Okay, okay. We'll leave it at that. Okay, <laughs> but so, still trying to research that myself um, because I do do tours for Dwayne when he comes through there with the mm-hmm. hood tours, and I like to tell the history of that space, and it gets a lot of people's ears kind of tuned up, right. like, "Wow, right. this was," and now got saved with the uh, the Asheville Housing Authority mm-hmm. with seeking the HUD funds to bring back. Um, training and education in the community right yeah. is, is the south side community has it changed do you think uh, Shavonda, it, since since the time when you were growing up yes it has mm-hmm. changed um there's been a lot of uh building and mm-hmm. renovation of the uh, depot street area which is now known as the river arts district mm-hmm. and um and that's just past when you pass green store you make that turn and it's like a whole different right. world around that corner mm-hmm. But yes, it, it uh, there has been some changes, um, a lot of growth. Um, yes, a lot okay. Of <laughs> well, you know, one another person who was very um, important in that community, and I know that this was because the Reed Center kind of went offline for a while, and you've you've um, alluded to the fact that the Asheville Housing Authority stepped in to kind of renovate, reclaim it. I had had conversations with Dwayne Barton about uh, the period when it was offline, about saving it. And, you know, he had this wonderful idea. So because when you come into the Reed Center now, I noticed that you all have histories of each one of these African-American communities. And that was one of the things that Dwayne was interested in and having, you know, a central place where you could share the histories of all of these different African-American communities in the city. And that's a great thing. But one of the things that took the Reed Center offline was the development of the Wesley, Dr. Wesley Grant Mm -hmm. uh, Center as well. Um, But the effort was made to to save um, the uh, the formerly the Reed Center, renamed the Eddington Center. So tell us what goes on there now, because there's a lot of activity that takes place at this center. Can you give us a little bit about what what happens there? Yes. So the the Eddington Center uh, building is uh, made up of a partnership. And of that partnership, uh, the Asheville Housing Authority um, 
Development Management Office is there. So the, the Erskine Walton Livingston Community, um, their rent office is there. Also, we have Partners Unlimited with Anderson Davis, who runs a high school credit recovery program. So students that are lacking credit to graduate on time can go there to make up their um, work online. Uh, we also have Green Opportunities, who is a huge partner in the space that does a lot of the training and um, some education pieces. They have um, a Kitchen Ready program where we have a commercial kitchen there that uh, provides lunch to the community on uh, thir Thursdays and Fridays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Um, and you can go on their website to get right. the, the times for that. I've had a chance to come to the lunches. The lunches are great lunches. Mm -hmm. If you haven't had a chance to go over and, and join uh, the, the staff there for one of the lunches, you really should. And they do great catering jobs yes, as well. Yes, they do a yeah. lot of catering mm -hmm. jobs. Um, they're really popular right now. And um, they have a youth build program that is uh, carpentry, uh, around carpentry. And they have a nice wood workshop there, too. And the tables that are in the dining room, the wood tables there, we're building that workshop. So that's an um, area that they're really good at is building with wood and uh, using reclaimed uh, materials to keep it out of the landfill. Also, we have the Residence Council of the Asheville Housing Authority who's there and have their office the Southside Community Advisory Board, who who was very instrumental in the um, remodel and keeping the integrity of the space mm -hmm. and keeping it a community space. So they were really vocal on um, keeping the community involved and making sure that the community right. had a part in, in that building. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, with up Upfront uh, Management Sports with Mr. Sherman Williams, he has a um, mentoring program and he does a lot of training of a lot of students here in uh, Asheville, Buncombe County area because mm -hmm. he works with city and uh, county school students. And they do a lot of training of basketball and just his mentorship okay. with a lot of the students there. Then we have some youth programming that's happening with uh, collaborations with um, a lot of the pro um, – so with the Residence Council with their My Community Matters program. It's a five, it started out as a five-week summer program but we give kids a chance to earn money. So it's a learn and earn deal okay. over the summer for about five weeks, which has now branched off into a collaboration with other programming, with such as the Asheville Writers in the Schools, Word on the Streets. Mm -hmm. um, Vos de las Jovenes. I think I got it right, but um, which is word on the street in, in right, Spanish. Right, right, right. But that's an online uh, news magazine um designed by African-American and Latino youth, and they do an excellent job. They meet there at the Eddington Center. And um, and then we have Positive Changes uh, Youth Ministry, which is a college readiness program, and they do college tours over the summer, and they've uh, completed two summers mm -hmm. of college tours, which has been amazing. And... Um, Oh gosh! Um, <laughs> See, so many things. It's, it's so many things that's going on, right. and everybody wants to use the Eddington Center. I, I open the doors to keep it community, keep the flow, 
that's what my bosses like to see, and it, it makes me happy to come to work. Right. I enjoy my job. Well, well we, we clearly see the evidence of it, right? Well, you mentioned a number of programs, Shavonda, that you've helped to develop in the Southside community. How can people, how can listeners become involved, more involved in these programs, and what are your hopes for the future of these programs? Uh, my hope for the future of these programs is for them to grow and to really pull out a lot more community. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's being driven by just a few people, and it can get tiresome. And there's so much more that we'd like to do, but we need bodies, too. So mm-hmm. there's people out there that's looking for something. It doesn't take much. An hour of your time a week can help right. with uh, a number of things. We also have a garden I kind of want to touch right. on that's in the back of the center, the Southside Community Garden. We're right now planning for our um, spring season coming up. So we're growing healthy food in our community mm-hmm. because we are a not-so-healthy community and diabetes and hypertension is at an all-time problem. high. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to eat to live right. and, and knowing what uh, what to eat to kind of help curb those things. So right. that's one of our... Another program that we got going on. Well, Shavonda, I tell you, we decided to just let the conversation just run here to the end because there's so many important things that are going on at the Edinburgh Center, and you're right in the middle of it. And I personally want to thank you for the work that you're doing there. Thanks so much, Shavonda. I love seeing the pictures that pop up on on Facebook, and (laughs) and one of the things I see that you all have – have the artwork that was that Black History Matters, Asheville Black History Matters, and that's great getting people to understand that. So Marcus and I have enjoyed having you here and having this conversation. And Marcus and I wanted to remind you all again that the Waters and Harvest Show is produced at Blue Ridge Public Radio in Asheville, North Carolina. And you can listen to our podcast on BPR.org, on the BPR mobile app, and on iTunes and Google Play. Follow us and get in touch on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Take care.